Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Three-month federal gas tax holiday. Shameless cover-up operation. They have driven the cost of gasoline. Gas tax holiday is a gimmick. Which politician up here is going to be voting to put that 18-cent tax back on a month before the November election? So we just dig the hole deeper and deeper and, and deeper. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom, Benny, and Clark, and lots to talk about today. Uh, we're talking about just before we went on the air, uh, Cousin Eddie Joe Biden yesterday said and repeated today, uh, CNS News is reporting his quote, President Biden said Tuesday there's enough COVID relief funding to get through at least this year. But the administration needs more money for vaccines for children and, quote, to plan for the second pandemic. I'm sorry, but is it just Benny and I that 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 sort of smacks us the wrong way? I mean, I I know that liberals love to say you conspiracy theorist. Why would you? I mean, who else is going around talking about we need to get ready for the second pandemic? Yeah, not the next pandemic, which, you know, just thinking futuristic but the second pandemic like it's already predetermined yeah. that, hey we've got yeah. a second pandemic like May- uh come october maybe yeah like maybe it <laughs> coincides with the midterm elections you maybe. think you think <laughs> unbelievable we can't vote safely we have to vote by mail i can see it coming well washington examiner along with a number of other media outlets is reporting the texas elementary school where that gunman killed 19 students and two teachers last month will be de- demolished that according to the uvalde mayor Don McLaughlin said a city council meeting uh, talked about what they were going to do. They're going to tear down the school and uh, build a new one, similar to what they did up at Sandy Hook, uh, where uh, in Newton, Connecticut, they uh, tore that school down, built it on a same same property, a different part of the uh, property. Uh, they will say they also said that the uh, kids that were attending the Rob Elementary School in Uvalde will never go to that uh, school building again. No word as to where they will attend school this fall when they go back to school. But uh, 600 students enrolled at Robb Elementary School. They will not be returning the next time they attend classes there. It will be in a brand new building. And that was a fairly new-looking building from from the video and photographs I saw. That building looked really, really new. Just I was just looking at the type of construction, and, and I'm thinking last 10 15 years at least so that's not yes yeah, uh, a building large enough to hold 600 <clears throat> students has got to be a fairly good size mm-hmm. elementary school i mean it's not huge but uh decent size but they're going to tear it down and start over again uh washington examiner is also reporting one of the federal reserve's chairman uh jerome powell's biggest critic on capitol hill says that uh, he has the power to drive the economy off a cliff by hiking interest rates. That was uh, Indian Princess Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth, that train left the station 18 <laughs> months ago. Elizabeth Warren, who uh, didn't support Powell's renomination to lead the Fed, used her time at Wednesday's banking committee hearing to question the actions of the Fed the actions they've taken to drive down soaring inflation. May Consumer Price Index report shows inflation again at uh, 8.6%, the highest rate since 1981. Fed officials uh, voted to raise interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point last week, the largest hike since 1994. 
During Wednesday's hearing, Powell described to Warren the effects that raising interest rates has on the economy. He said that when rates are hiked, demands for goods slow and thus prices go down to meet the dampened demand. Doing so will allow supply and demand to get into better balance, he noted. In other words, uh, Biden's and Warren's policies have so damaged the economy, there is no easy or benign answer to this. But the other thing is, you know, an interest rate of 0% where we've basically been for the last how many years, that's the abnormal. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why the economy has gotten so hot. I mean, the, the same issue we had back in 2008 when we had these sub, subprime mortgages and they were handing out money like candy and people who couldn't afford a house were getting these loans and lo and behold, they couldn't afford the houses. Then we had the housing glut, the economy folded. Um, it's, it's not the exact same scenario, but bottom line is, cheap money is too cheap well since 2008 2009 the financial crisis um i mean we've been closer to zero percent than not right for that you know what what are we 12 13 years away and you know that that causes projects that would not get done get done because hey the the numbers work out if you know big a big factor in doing a project or not is is the interest factor and if that factor is artificially low by the government which it is which it is that's going to fuel more growth maybe fuel overgrowth fuel um well it exactly contributed to the housing crisis in 2008-9 so it's uh, uh, to your point it's not normal well the other big problem with this too is the debt that we have accumulated as a nation has now got to be paid back at a higher interest rate. Yep. And that's that's the budgetary thing that we can't control as a government is uh, interest rates, and it's a big part of our, our budget. And if we're at historically low amounts, historically high debt, I mean, our, our debt as a nation is higher than any time in history except even more so during wartime. Um, it, it's, it's scary. The future is scary on that front. Warren used her time to highlight the effects that raising interest rates can have on the economy. Quote, rate increases make it more likely that companies will fire people slash hours to shrink wage costs. Rate increases will also make it more expensive for families to do things like borrow money for a house. You could actually tip this economy into a recession. Uh, Pocahontas, we're already there. Yeah, we hadn't heard from Elizabeth Warren in a while. And, uh, you know... (laughs) I wonder why she opposed uh, Jerome Powell. Maybe because you know he has just a little bit of private experience instead of all government experience. But uh, <laughs> you know the pretendian speaks. Yeah, um, pretendian. I think right. Clark. I think we need to work on a little little spoof like the. You remember the show, The Virginian. <laughs> Instead of Virginian, the pretendian, and we can you know we can <laughs> do some. We there can do go. Elizabeth Warren clips. <laughs> um, she went on to say, "I hope you'll reconsider that." What, what she said about how people get kicked out of the jobs, which she's right, by the way. But, I mean, the, the irony is you have these individuals like Biden and Pocahontas who uh, – the Warrens of the world who shovel the poop month after month, year after year. And just as it is about to hit the fan, they pivot and say, I hope you'll reconsider that before you drive this economy off a cliff. I mean, it's suddenly, as as it's about to explode, she hands it off. Yeah, it's nothing that I've done. It's it's oh, it's what you have done in the last fifteen minutes that has has caused this. Uh, 
catastrophe. And what does Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden have in common? A lifetime of either academia or government jobs. Yeah. I mean, government yeah. dime. And, and lying. Yeah. Yeah, they're both they're both chronic liars. I mean, Joe Biden, we know he plagiarized, and Elizabeth Warren, we know she lied about her Indian uh, heritage. <laughs> Quite possibly the whitest woman in Congress and claims to be an Indian. <laughs> because she said her grandmother, oh, yeah, you got those high cheekbones. <laughs> Good Can't Lord. make it up. Um, boy, I tell you what, I, I, I guess we have time to get into this story, but it's probably going to take us over the break into the next segment. Um why in the world does North Carolina and I realize we are basically a purple state. I mean we're we are one of those states now that could go either way. Although when it comes to presidential elections, it seems like the Republicans normally win out. Our state legislature is obviously more conservative and it's some questionable uh you know who who won the uh the governor's race between Pat McCrory and uh, Cooper. I mean, I think Cooper soundly won against Dan Forrest, but uh, you know, I, I think North Carolina is more conservative than it is liberal. But but it's 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 a close toss-up. How in the world do we elect two Republicans that ha- have so lost their minds to the U.S. Senate that they are basically trampling all over the Second Amendment? Mm. Now, and again, I'm going to talk about this bill that the Senate has gotten out of committee. Uh, it wasn't out for an hour, and Chuckles the Clown Schumer wanted the Senate to vote on it to bring it out of committee. Now, that's basically all you need to know. The fact that Chuckles the Clown decided immediately, with, with no debate, no conversation, not even time to read the bill, mm-hmm. he was taking a vote. I mean— that tells you how bad the bill is that Chuckles wanted to vote on it immediately. That tells you all you need to know. And again, I've said this numerous times. When Republicans, a.k.a. Tom Tillis, brags about bipartisan legislation, get ready to have your rights trampled. Absolutely. I, 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 am, I, I can't tell you how disappointed I am. Now, there are some things that have come out that he has said that isn't all bad. I mean, he wants to increase stiffer uh, punishment for those who commit a crime with a firearm. But the problem is with this bill, which they voted on without even having a chance to read it, is what you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, uh, when, when Chris Murphy, who is an ultra-liberal, you know, he and John Cornyn of Texas got together, and Chris Murphy comes out and says how wonderful the bill is. I, I'm sorry. When a Republican and a Democrat get together, it's the Republican that's going to give in every time. Murphy said six elements of the bill, funding to states so they can pass and implement crisis intervention orders, known as red flag laws. Well, I, again, the problem with this is what does this mean? Now you can say, okay, oh, red flag laws. So that means if you've, you know, if you've really got a bad problem, uh, we can stop you from buying a firearm. But the the, the devil's in the details. So you, you know, your your ex decides that she is irritated at you, or he is irritated at her, and she he decides that I'm going to make life miserable for you, and you know, file something that prevents you from uh, being able to obtain a firearm to defend yourself. Funding for mental health and school safety. Preventing domestic abusers from buying weapons. 
domestic abusers. Again, you know, look, I, I understand that there are legitimate times when that's the case, but it, it, can that be abused? I think so. Fighting gun trafficking and straw purchasing, creating enhanced background checks for gun buyers under 21, making more commercial gun dealers subject to federal background check obligations. Now, again, as bullet points, people say, oh, that sounds pretty good. But what what are the details of it? I mean, Josh Hawley, uh, Cotton, uh, Mike Lee, all these guys came out and said, whoa. I mean, we are talking about really essentially changing the Second Amendment. And you want to vote for it an hour after it comes out? Oh, yeah. How bad is this bill? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I have not read the 80-page bill. I've read the the highlights from several different sources, and they all kind of use the same same language. But, you know, the language about to adopt so-called red flag laws to confiscate firearms from people believed to be a danger to themselves or others. Okay, define that. Right. H- how about if I just went to Washington on January 6th, didn't do anything, but just... I guarantee you, you would be a red yeah, flag. J- j- let's just say I went to hear President Trump speak. I got my car, went back home. Okay, am I a danger to myself and others now? Uh, I'm sure, according to Adam Schiff, the answer would be or yes. Or if, you know, you know, people with mental health issues. Okay, how about if I go to the doctor and say, well, doctor, how you feel? Uh, uh, patient, how you feeling? Well, be honest with you, honestly, I probably drink too much. Okay, puts in my record. Now, is that a mental health issue and I shouldn't buy a firearm? I mean... This will be used against Americans, against honest Americans, law-abiding citizens, yep. and it will be used against uh, as if against politicians politically. It'll be it'll be a political tool. You wait. I I don't trust them. And Tom Tillis is just Richard Be- Richard Burr with socks. <laughs> I mean that's that's all he is. I mean I, I thought he was different, but he's Richard Burr with socks. Well, it does make you wonder because we were talking before the program when, when Tom was the Speaker of the North Carolina House, and when he was running as a candidate, and when he was in the House. I mean, I was all for Tom Tillis. I mean, yeah. I, I, I would be proud to say that I was all for Tom Tillis. Now somebody might be out there and say, "Well, I wasn't," but listen, I mean, the guy was a genuine conservative, and I, I the only thing I can figure out is they get up there. And, you know, we were asking why, and you brought up the point that, well, Mitch McConnell, who is, would you put him in the rhino category? A lot of people would. Uh, he's the guy that's handing out the money. It, it, and bottom line, is Tom Tillis more beholden to Mitch McConnell than he is to the voters of North Carolina? It, it, it's, I mean, his his voting record proves it. Uh, you know, he's... You know, he's not like uh, standing in line with 30 other Republicans here or, or no, no, how many is there? Excuse me. I can't even remember how many there is. How many, how many centers? hundred altogether. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred altogether, 50, 50 states. But uh, I mean, there's only 14 of them. But he's always, when there's a limited number of Republicans and Mitch McConnell wants something, he's right there lockstep, him and Richard Burr. And I just think uh, this is this is something more important than than getting the bill and only having an hour to review it and just rubber stamping it. Now, some of these names that voted for this, that were all for it, was not a surprise. You got Romney, you got Susan Collins of Maine, you got Murkowski of Alaska, you've got Portman of Ohio. Um, I mentioned Romney and McConnell of uh, Kentucky, um, but and Graham. I, you know, there's a lot of people upset with Graham. But you have now, now Richard Burr. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, Blood of Missouri. Yeah, that guy used to be a, a, a staunch conservative, mm-hmm. a, a constant solid rock conservative. You got Richard Burr. You got Capito of uh, West Virginia. You got Cassidy of uh, Louisiana. You got Cornyn of Texas. Ernst of Iowa. 
and uh, Tillis of North Carolina, Young of Indiana. So those are your 14 that uh, decided to uh, give in to the uh, the Democrats. Well, here's something that the bill, uh, and, and if, it's, if it's in the bill, I stand corrected, but if it was in the bill, it would be listed by the eight news agencies that i read their articles on the bill how about we how about we uh put in the bill we we uh, we put some laws on on tech companies and internet companies when you have a guy like in texas that for over a month have been talking about killing people that they have a responsibility to report it to the federal yeah. government yeah yeah versus you, you know, just because I'm an honest guy, and wants to go buy a gun. I, I've got more more uh, loopholes and uh, and and laws to follow. And hey, it's just a. I, I think it's just. I mean, look, the other thing it talks about juvenile and and mental health records. This guy in Texas, he didn't have a record. Right. He didn't have right. a mental health right. record or a right. juvenile record. So. Well, and that's some of the things I think Lee and uh, Tom Cotton and Josh Holly all said that this bill would have had zero effect. On the situation in Uvalde, and, well, and listen, it's the Uvalde shooting that is the the impetus of why we have this bill being passed so quickly. And you know, the other questions: Where did this guy get the money? Yeah, that, that's to buy I, all these arms. That's what I want to understand. And, Eighteen and, year old and why? I, again, could we have an answer to why the law enforcement sat outside the school for an hour and fifteen minutes when they were ready to go in three minutes? You know. I the only the only thing I think Tom Tillis and Richard Burr and Mitch McConnell could I, I don't I don't know if if it's a political argument but maybe they have a political argument to say hey look let's just pass something and get it off the table so it's not an election issue in the fall now if that if if that's the political argument then then let's talk about it but from a practical standpoint how can you pass something that Chuck if you trust anything comes out of chuck schumer's mouth you're right. an idiot or chris murphy from yeah Connecticut. yeah I, and and to just say okay here sign it and go i don't blame him i they i don't blame mike lee and the others that didn't vote for it uh they shouldn't have that's not the way the process but again how many times do you hear guys like tillis and even burr say you know this is ridiculous that we have these bills and we have to vote for them in an hour and this is exactly what has happened with this bill um now granted it hasn't become law yet I mean, whatever happens in the Senate will go over to the House. and But if it passes the Senate, chances are it's going to pass the House. Well, the House, yeah. I mean, they control the House yeah. you know, fa- fairly fairly good. Uh, but, but here's the other thing. Um, th- this just got it out of committee. There will be actually two more votes, and the speculation is that those votes will come by this weekend. So write these numbers down and call Senator Tillis and Senator Burr be polite, but be firm. Tillis's number in Washington, 202-224-6342. All you got to do is just tell them, vote no on the gun bill, that uh, this is a violation of our Second Amendment rights, and we don't need to be... <laughs> when it comes to changing the Second Amendment, we do not need to be compromising with the likes of Chuck Schumer and Chris uh, Murphy out of uh, Connecticut. Senator Burr's number is 202-224-3154. Again, Burr, 202-224-3154. Tillis, 202-224-6342. And uh, we'll see if we can get uh, uh, Clark to put those up on the uh, And if you're confused which one is which, Tom Tillis has socks. Richard Burr does not. (laughs) But they're both the best pocket square Republicans money can buy. All right, we got to take a break. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. 
No need to search for the facts. The fact is, it's, um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, hold on. Let's see, they, uh, they gave me, uh... Just take note. Okay, it's, uh, one pound of ground beef, one egg. What is this? That's the recipe for, uh, for meatloaf someone gave me last night. And check in throughout the day, here. Look, uh, no, seriously, look around. Anybody see a piece of paper with my notes on it? For what's next, travel with us on Talk 96.3 and 103.7 with Tom Lamprecht. Come on, man. <laughs> That's a good one, Clark. Uh, take a look at your weather forecast for tonight. Thunderstorms this evening, followed by occasional showers overnight. A low of 69. Chance of rain tonight, 70%. I hope it rains well because we need the rain. Badly. Uh, tomorrow, mostly cloudy skies. Again, a possible thunderstorm. And then sunny skies on Friday with a high of 87. Lows tomorrow night of 61. And uh, same for Friday night. So all in all, looks uh, looks pretty good. You know, we were talking about the uh, whole Second Amendment and this uh, senatorial gun bill. The Daily Signal, which is the publication of the Heritage Foundation, wrote an interesting article uh, uh, yesterday, I think it came out. Uh, It starts out by talking about Bill Press. If you remember Bill Press, he used to be the liberal in CNN's crossfire with Pat Buchanan years and years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, He recently wrote an op-ed that was published by CNN calling for the repeal of the Second Amendment. Uh, Press declares that the right to keep and bear arms has nothing to do with self-defense. It was originally meant to authorize state militia and is anti-black in its origins, (laughs) which is really interesting because the number, uh, one of the biggest categories uh, of the the demographics of individuals going out and arming themselves for self-defense is the African-American community right now. I mean, they, they are setting record numbers because they know if I know how to use a firearm, I can protect myself and I can protect my family. But thank you, history professor uh, Bill Press. You know, it's not the Second Amendment that was historically racist, but gun control laws that strip certain segments of the population of any meaningful method of defending their rights. And so guys like Bill Press... He basically wants a continuation of gun control laws that were punishing to blacks in its day. Uh, now he just wants to punish everybody. You know, this is this is how socialism works. I mean, it really is a good example of socialism. Socialism makes everybody equal. Nobody can defend themselves, and we're all poor. That's yeah. socialism. Yeah, and the you know the the better angels, so to speak, of socialism. You know they have control of everything. They have protection. Exactly. They're not worried about anything. Bingo, bingo. But the Daily Signal goes on to list just in the last thirty days, everyday examples of individuals defending themselves. May third, Tacoma, Washington, hotel employee shot and wounded a man who threatened her and two employees. May fourth, Elmore, Alabama, a woman shot a man in the jaw after he entered the home and tried to molest her. May 5th, uh, Lysia, Georgia, 67-year-old woman mowing her yard. A naked man attacked her. her. The husband came out. He tried to run him off, couldn't run him off, got his gun, shot him. Uh, San Antonio, Texas, May 8th, homeowner shot and wounded an intruder who tried to break into his home in the middle of the night. May 11th, Chicago, a man with a concealed carry permit walking home. When a woman came up, pointed a gun at him, he pulled his gun out, shot her. May 13th, Alexandria, Virginia, a driver returning to his car at a gas station. Four teenagers approached, tried to carjack him. He pulled out the firearm, 
One was shot and killed. The other three were later arrested. McConnellsville, Ohio, May 15th. Police say a camper shot and wounded another man who attacked him with a hatchet. May 17th, Lenore City, Tennessee. Man tried to enter the home late at night. Before the residents called police, he gave up the attempt. He then tried to force his way into a second home across the street where he was fatally shot by the homeowner. May 20th, Oakley, California. An elderly woman acted in lawful self-defense when she fatally shot a 51-year-old man on her driveway at 12.30 in the morning. The woman had an active restraining order against this man. May 22nd, uh, Azalea Park, Florida. 69-year-old... 69-year-old woman fatally shot a strange man who refused to leave her property and threatened her. May 25th, Charleston, West Virginia. A man with a rifle opened a fly, fire, uh, opened fire rather on dozens of attendees to a graduation party. We covered this story. A woman drew her handgun and fatally shot the man in the back of, her, of his car. Uh, May 30th, Fredericksburg, Virginia. A woman was making a bank deposit when she saw a man get in the driver's seat of her nearby car. The woman confronted the man who got physical with her. She drew the gun, shot him. Uh, you know, what's interesting about these examples, though, how many of these examples were of uh, elderly people mm-hmm. who, if they didn't have a gun, they would be totally victimized. But, you know, armed people are hard to victimize. That, yeah. that is the great deterrent. I mean, even when this one man was accosted by four teenage kids. And by the way, one of those four teenage kids had brass knuckles. The other had a, a, a firearm. Yeah, I had some discussions with a friend recently that that for for most things he's he's fairly conservative, but uh, he was talking about gun control and carrying and how people shouldn't carry. And I told him, I said, look, and he's retired, living in an area, and I won't mention it, but living in an area that you know it's a highly gated community. In fact, he, he's living in a bubble. He's not really living yeah. in America. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're not going to experience the risk that we do as everyday Americans where just going to the convenience store to get gas or going to the grocery store at night. Um, you know, I don't think people need to be uh, wielding guns and uh, like it's the old West or something. But by God, you got a right to protect your property and your life. Well, here's and, the other thing. Now, I, I agree with your, your sentiment that because yeah, there are people that are just fearful of guns. But your friend needs to know there are a lot of people out there law-abiding citizens that are carrying oh yeah a lot and when you stop and think about it, if we knew how many people were carrying the percentage of these wrongful deaths by handguns is such a small minority compared to the total number of people such a small percentage compared to the total number of people who are carrying yeah and I, and I personally, I'm not, I'm not fearful of someone. If someone, uh, you know, walks by me or comes up and they're an open carry, I'm not worried about no, that I person. No, I wouldn't. I'm not worried me. about no. that person at all. Because yeah. that, that person's probably uh, knows how to use it, not afraid to use it, and knows the situations when he will use it. That doesn't scare me. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, though, is quite frankly, I, you know, I, I don't when i'm carrying i don't want people to know i'm carrying mm. i think it's better i mean if if you get in a situation and you got uh you know say say a guy walks in a grocery store and he sees one guy open carry that's the guy he's going to take out first right you know right. Cause, i mean that's right. the, that's the known right. threat you don't know about yeah. the other threats hey we're gonna take another time out when we come back interesting numbers about the republican presidential race stay with us we'll be right back
First thing you should do after work. I turn on the radio. Check in with Tom and Benny. Gotta know what's happening in my city. What's going on in my backyard. Things that are happening locally. I like the local news. Things that I don't hear everywhere else. Don't hear everywhere else. For the local news you want. Kept me informed for all of the local stuff, you know. It let me know what was going on in the local community. Eastern Carolina's news source is news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. 20 minutes before the top of the hour. Get ready with cut one in there, Clark. Um, this is interesting. Freudian Freudian slips. Freudian (laughs) slips. Say that 10 times quick. Uh, White House press secretary had one of these yesterday about Biden's policy. Cut one. I mean, the president has been very clear in making sure that he does everything that he can uh, to uh, to elevate to alleviate uh, the you know the the pain that American families are feeling when it comes to oh, gas prices. Lady, you were right the first she time. She had it right the first time. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> he's doing everything he can to, to ruin this country. He, he's doing everything he can to elevate the pain that you are feeling. I, I, yeah, I think she had it right the first time. Let me make it very. Let me be very clear about this. Uh, Jean Pierre, Jean Pierre, corrected herself. Uh, President Biden's continuing war on oil and gas has forced prices to record levels with no end in sight. You know, Biden and and all his cronies, the Energy Secretary and everybody else, uh, Pete Buttigieg, all of them. I, I mean, Biden came out and doubled down on his alternative energy transition. Uh, basically, he is saying, well, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to go mm-hmm. green. Let's look at this as a blessing. The fact that you can't afford to put gasoline in your car is a great blessing for all the woke tree huggers out there that want to go totally green. Yeah, and, and all these all these elected officials and cabinet appointees like Buttigieg and what, what's the what's the former governor of Michigan um, – the, the Grand, Grand, yeah. Grand Home, I Grand think, Home, which yeah. is the Energy yeah. Secretary, yeah. they make all these comments, and you know, they don't care. They're not going to be affected by by high gas prices. That you know, and j- it just shows how, again, these people do not know how it is to really live in America. They live in a bubble that you know they have everything provided for them, and to make these flippant comments about, well, you know, hey, I can get, drive across America, and I didn't spend anything on gas and and i've got my eighty thousand dollar electric car yeah it's just that's not the rest of america the way rest of americans live and particularly people in you know lower middle income class people i mean they're worried about day-to-day of going to work and putting food on the well and the biggest irony of this inflation tax is the fact that they go around claiming that they want to help the poor yeah. And that is who is getting crushed in this. Yeah, they they want to. Their goal is to make more and more people dependent on them. That's yeah. that's their goal. Yeah. And and with the hopes that you'll you'll keep electing me, otherwise yep. you'll starve. Yep, that's it. I mean, it's all it's all about uh, the lords and the serfs, and they're yeah. the lords, and they want more serfs. Yeah. Exactly right. A public opinion survey in New Hampshire, the state that for a century has held the first primary in the presidential race. According to this poll, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has a razor-thin margin over President Donald Trump in a hypothetical 2024 GOP primary matchup. According to polling numbers released today by the University of New Hampshire Survey Center, 
39% of likely Republican primary voters in the Granite State would support the first-term Florida governor, uh, 37 backing the former president. Respondents were provided a list of potential content, uh, contenders for the 2024 GOP uh, primary. Former president, uh, vice president, I should say, Mike Pence stood at 9%. Nikki Haley at 6%. Um, other possible Republican White House hopefuls were all at 1% or less. Uh, what's, what's interesting about this is you, if you look back over the last year, um, Trump held a 43% to 18% advantage over DeSantis the last time the uh, UNH survey asked a 2024 GOP uh, preference question. That was in October of last year. Trump topped DeSantis 47 to 19% last July. So the numbers have been going in DeSantis's favor, but I mean, this is obviously the biggest jump. You know, and he is, it, it was, again, the previous one was 43% for Trump, 18% for DeSantis. This one was 39% for DeSantis, 37% for Trump. Uh, could it be an outlier? Sure, it could be. But the other more interesting thing is we were talking during the break, you were telling me about the number of deep-pocketed Republican Trump supporters now shifting their preference over to DeSantis. Yeah, they they gave I mean they gave a boatload of money to his gubernatorial reelection which, you know, everyone knows there there's no challenger for right. Ron DeSantis and he can move that money over if he runs. So it's it's kind of like <laughs> I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of like Mark Robinson going out. Mark Robinson ain't going out by, uh, having a bunch of political fundraisers or run for lieutenant governor. Right, right. And and DeSantis is the same way. But I mean, some of the key, I mean, some of Trump's key big deep pockets were do, do, donating like five, six times more to DeSantis than what they did for his last governor run. Wow. So, and one of the big ones was Ken Griffin. Um, the uh, hedge fund guy out of Chicago that was a big Trump supporter that has since said he would not support Trump for re-election. I think he gave like I believe it was like five million. Um, so that was you know it's yeah, I, pretty, again, pretty big stuff. If, if Trump is the candidate, I will be delighted and I would do everything to help him get re-elected. I, I would not be disappointed if Donald Trump decided that you know if Trump said I've decided to, to help make the king rather than be the king. Uh, I, I just think that would be a, a huge win-win for America. And, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't seen anything in Ron DeSantis that would uh, make me hesitate to be pretty excited about his candidacy. Uh, the poll indicates DeSantis with a massive 66% net favorability among likely GOP primary voters ahead of Trump's 46% net favorability. Now, again, these are re- people that would be voting in the primary Another Republican politician with possible national ambitions, South Dakota Christy Nome, stood at 35% net favorability. Uh, Pence, interestingly, stood at negative 4% in mm. favorability, which, yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, pr- prior to him being uh, selected by Trump uh, to be the uh, VP, how many years ago was that now? Six years ago, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was he was a solid uh, conservative that I think everybody was had a, has a pos, positive view. The fact that his favorability is at negative four percent that's somewhat of a surprise. Yeah, somewhat of a surprise. But you know, I think what tells all is uh, the Democrats 
are not worried about anybody but two people, and that's Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, because that's who right. they attack day right. in, day right. out. Right. That's who the main uh, mainstream yeah. media attacks day Great in, point. day out. I mean, back during the whole COVID thing, Ron DeSantis did his own thing, didn't close down. Florida was business as usual, accused him of killing people, took a different approach oh, yeah. than oh, what yeah. they recommended, and guess what? Florida yeah. was better shaped than anyone else. Yeah. And that that's that's the only people that were that about. might be the strongest poll indicator of any who is the mainstream attacking the most viciously because oh, yeah, they get the memo <laughs> yeah, yeah from the dnc speaking of ronda santis and his governor's race uh do you remember the name andrew gillum oh yeah this was a guy that was found uh with a couple of couple of guys uh with crystal meth and he was drunk out of his mind yeah. or something said i don't have a drug problem i've got a drinking oh, yeah. problem yeah. so therefore it's okay because i'm a drunk i'm not a drug addict i mean that's the best and, case and, scenario for and the look, guy. That was a close race, too. That's, oh, yeah. That's what's so oh, scary yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. He was also the mayor of Tallahassee. Uh, well, now the former Florida Democrat gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gillum was indicted on charges including conspiracy and 19 counts of wire fraud. This according to the Department of Justice. This just came out today. Gillum, who was once the mayor of Tallahassee, is accused of acting in concert with Associate Sharon Janet Letman Hicks to solicit funds using false representations and promises. The indictment further alleges the defendants used third parties to divert a portion of those funds to a company owned by Letterman Hicks, who then fraudulently provided the funds disguised as payroll payments to Gillum for his personal use, according to a Justice Department press release. The Justice Department did not go into details of the allegations, only to say that the alleged scheme went on from 2016 to 2019, right in the middle of his governor's race it's amazing how these people can be involved in crime while they're running for governor i mean talk about chutzpah i mean i i, I obviously i would not be sleeping at night i guess these people have no conscience uh, how, how do you spell gillum's name uh g-i-l-l-u-m andrew yeah. gillum let's do a little search here let's do a little search on cnn and see what comes up <laughs> nothing hmm. Let's uh, see. It is down about story 270 out of 277. There you go. There you go. And, that, and that's called burying the story. I, and, and I'm surprised it's there at all. It's not on their first several pages. Think about this. Now, now Gillum comes out and says, this is not a criminal situation. This is a political attack on me. Is it not interesting how these progressives that say they're going to solve the world's problems – Gillum, you know, this guy fits right in with the the Biden and the Clinton crime families. And, uh, you know, the the idea is, and you hear Hillary, you know, uh, it's a great right-wing conspiracy. This guy's saying the same thing, same playbook. Oh, this is a political attack on me. I'm the victim. Yeah, he reminds me of... uh it reminds me of this time I caught this kid stealing in my dad's store years ago when I was a kid. And his mom says, what did I tell you about getting caught stealing? <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Speaking of South Dakota and Christy Nome, um, kudos to the South Dakota Republican Party. And I say this because they impeach one of their own. Now, unlike the party of Teddy Kennedy, where uh, you can uh, kill someone in a car and then run for the presidency, the South Dakota Senate convicted Attorney General Jason 
Ravensburg of two charges of uh, during his impeachment trial, removing him from office, preventing him from ever holding office again in the future. Apparently, this guy ran over someone oh, and um, fatally struck a man with his car, went back the next day, discovered the body and said, oh, I thought it was a deer. And apparently, somehow, they had proof that, no, you knew what you had done. And uh, anyway, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard, uh, I, I'm sure, to uh, take out one of your own. But uh, in, in life, you got to do the right thing. Do That's, the next right thing. Yeah, you can't, you can't talk about others if you're not going to do the right thing when it's your opportunity. That's for sure. Christy Noem said, after nearly two years of the dark cloud over the attorney general's office has now been lifted, it's time now to move on and begin to restore confidence in the office. So she gets to appoint a, a temporary attorney general to replace uh, this Jason Ravzenborg, uh, and then there'll be an election in November. So, What do you think about Christy Noem, Noem as a um – I mean, as as second person on a ticket. Oh, I think next. she'd be great. Yeah. In fact, I would say that if it's someone like a um, Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. a, a geographically, that would sort of balance it off. You know, the, the only drawback, politically speaking, that the individuals would, would talk about would be the fact that she doesn't really represent a state that would have a, a lot of draw, but she's very popular, and I think she's very popular even outside of South Dakota. Yeah, I think so, too. I hope she does. That means we can have her on the program live. <laughs> you know, your wife listens to this program, so I'm not going to talk about your crush on Christy Noel. I'll even set up some horse rides for her. <laughs> hey, thanks for being with us, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Play a little political trivia. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.